Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. And the reference is Isaiah chapter 26 verse 9. And the scripture says, At night my soul longs for you, Indeed, my spirit within me seeks for you diligently. For when the earth experiences your judgments and the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Now, you can see, it says, you should underline, the soul longs, the spirit seeks diligently. Okay? Now, correctly read in the original Hebrew, I got it highlighted in the middle of the paragraph. It should read as follows. With my soul, I long. With my spirit, I I seek. So when your spirit, when your spirit man seeks God, the soul will long. That is how it's correctly read. So you are spirit, soul, and body. Right? And remember the the process of interaction between you and God in the heavens. If, if this is God, if I just put God here. If this is God, God is spirit. And the process of divine exchange or spiritual interface between man on the earth and God in the spirit unseen world, it's always from Spirit to spirit. And the scripture says here, the spirit within you must be the faculty within you that basically seeks. Your spirit must adopt a searching uh, characteristic, a searching behavior. You must always be seeking and searching out the mind of God with your, with your spirit. I don't want to rehearse the the principles we've dealt with already. But remember 1 Corinthians 2 says, Who knows the thoughts of a man but the spirit within the man? Likewise, who knows the thoughts of God except the, the spirit of God? Right. So the spirit of God dwells within you. Specifically, the, the point of contact is your spirit. His spirit His spirit resides in your spirit, okay? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? But the point of contact is always from spirit to spirit. So 1 Corinthians says, He who is joined to the Lord is is one spirit within him or with him. Now, just to cement this, tell your neighbor, there's one spirit in you. Don't say, no, there's two. Don't say, i got my spirit and i got the Holy Spirit. Get the revelation that although you are spirit, soul, and body, and although there is a separate Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, if you come to the place where you are joined to the Lord, 
The word join there in 1 Corinthians is in the Greek, glued. Right? You become one spirit with him. I believe it's possible to become so enmeshed with the Holy Ghost that there is no division between my spirit and he, the Holy Spirit. He, yes, you can separate him from my spirit, but I want to come to a place of existence and operation where there's literally, we are so indivisibly one that you can't separate my spirit from he, the spirit. Okay? So this is where we are headed towards. And we'll talk more to this in a later series. But I'm telling you, this is where um, the plan of God is going. And it says, and God will be all in all in that day. Right? Um, so I really want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit wants to infuse your spirit with His nature. Okay? Now, with my spirit, I search. The spirit searches. And I really want to encourage you. Adopt an inquiring um, mindset within the mind of your spirit. Adopt a search. Proverbs, write the scripture down there. Proverbs 25, verse 1 and 2 says it's the glory of God to hide a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search the matter out. The debar, matter, debar, the, the utterance of God, the word of God, right? So search the matter out. Right? So, um, in two weeks' time, we will do a study on meditation. And I'll show you how, before you meditate with the mind of your soul, you have got to learn the art of meditating with the mind of your spirit. Right? And so, you're always stretching out. And let me just say this to you. When your spirit searches, your soul will long. Many people do not long in their soul because there's no inquiry in their spirit. If your spirit is not reaching out consistently, and when I say your spirit must search, our subject is the primacy of the word of the Lord. Your spirit must be consistently inquiring into the word of the Lord because it's the glory of God to hide matters, but it's the glory of kings to search the, the matter out. Now ask your neighbor, or tell your neighbor rather, you are a king. You are a king. And I really want to encourage us. Our capacity to rule is going to be dependent upon our capacity uh, to search hidden things out that God wants to disclose. So your, your, your content of your revelation qualifies your kingship in this season. Quality of your of, of, of your revelation of the word that God has disclosed to you in your spirit will set you up for, for rulership in this season. It's the glory of God to hide the matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. Did you know every Old Testament king? Write the reference down, Deuteronomy chapter 17. Forget the actual verse. Did you know... God instituted a law that every king that would come to in, in kingship had to literally, with his hand, write out the entirety of the Torah. The first five books of the Bible had to be written out by the hand of the reigning king, 
personally. He couldn't get an attendant to do it. He couldn't get a secretary. Jules would have been unemployed in that context. He had to have, with his hand, write the law out. You know why God realized if this man is going to rule, he's going to have to rule by revelation. So the content of your revelation determines the quality of your rule. All right? So I really want to encourage you. Um, our house is set for great rulership. And I don't want to simply us to come riding on the back of a prophetic promise. Yes, things are going to materialize. I promise you things are going to be fulfilled in our day. We're going to come into the fulfillment of tremendous prophecy. All of these items that we discussed, all of these shifts are going to happen in a day, literally before March 2014. Hmm? Yes? Yes, agree. It's important that you agree. All of these things will happen, but we must not come riding on the back or the strength of a fulfilled prophetic promise without each one in the group having personally appropriated the requirements, or rather assimilated and secured the requirements for rule, which is search the matter out. So we want a church that has got mature spirit. The spirit content in every believer must be solidly developed. Okay? And I really want to encourage you, don't lose the fervor here. Right? It is said of Apollos in Acts 18, there was a man who was mighty in the scriptures, eloquent in speech, but fervent in his spirit. Who would like a CV like that? I would like a whole church like that. Every son, mighty in the scripture, can communicate it eloquent in speech, fervent in his spirit. And fourthly, he spake the word of the Lord accurately, knowing only the baptism of John. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of the Lord to him more, more accurately. Right? I really want to encourage you. Next time you feel discouraged, shake yourself off. You know why I'm really thinking now the, the state of one's spirit, and I'll, I'll demonstrate this to you later, will even condition the state of your soul and even cause you to overcome limitations and restrictions in your body. He who has a, he who has a, a fervent spirit. Quickly, I'm going to jump around. I'm not going to go systematically through the notes. But I'm going to jump around for the sake of, of, um, of where we are going. Let's just finish this on page 14. Um, one of the ways in which you can really develop your hunger in the spirit so that the soul begins to always maintain its diligent search after God is by praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my, but my mind is unfruitful. I challenge you before you sleep tonight, spend 10 minutes praying in tongues. Challenge you first thing you wake up tomorrow morning. Do this for a month. You know, just try it. Tell your neighbor, just give it a try. Let's try and see what happens. I really, I'm not, I'm not making light of this. Try it seriously until it becomes such a habit, an ethos, a custom of your life 
that it becomes characteristic of your life. Something that you cannot do without. Even when I'm in the gym now, I might be in the treadmill, my mind, kushara Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this body right now, but really, I know this flesh is going to pass away. I need more than biceps. I need a strong, developed spirit content. Right? This for me, uh, the body and the exercise thereof profits little, your word says. But godliness is profitable for, for all things. Okay? So it doesn't, I'm just saying when you rise before you sleep, any moment of the day, lock in to the heavens. You'll develop a searching, inquiring nature within your spirit. Let me, let me prophesy of you, there will be transactions that will take place in your spirit. You might think at the end of a week, at the end of a month, what have I done? And mentally, your mind will be unfruitful. You might not be able to catalog and list the benefits of these exercises. Yet, I know in the spirit, there will be certain pathways you've crafted. There will be certain uh, things that you prepared in the spirit that only in time, after you look back, with hindsight, you will see what God has done. Amen? You will see. I'm telling you, you won't need a song to prompt you to worship. Uh, you, you can come in here fatigued from a late night on the Saturday, yet you come to church and your spirit man is buoyant, is fervent, is boiling with heat. Amen? It's boiling with heat. So I really want to encourage you. Keep your spirit man fervent. Now, just among the scriptures, Paul said to the Corinthians, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> Paul said he spoke in tongues more than the entire church in the city of Corinth. There's everyone in the city that's saved. Paul says, put a lot of you together. I, Paul, I talk in tongues more than you all. Now, if Paul saw the value of this, how much more you and I, right? I just feel we need to really spend more time praying in tongues personally, privately, and corporately than what we are doing. I'm telling you, we are securing ground in the spirit that we might not be, uh, our minds might not be fully aware of. Jude, here's a scripture for you, Jude. <laughs> Jude 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit builds you up. Right? So whenever you pray in tongues, you're literally building up your, your, your spirit man. The Greek word for build is epi. Epikodomio. To build upon, to, to rear up. Right? You're building upon or to rear up. Vine's expository dictionary of Greek words says this. I didn't put it in here. But he says it's equated to the recharging of a battery of a motor car that has gone flat. Building yourself up in the Holy Ghost. Right? So you're building up strength. You're building up power. You, 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 you're making the epic, epicodomio, any word domio in Greek means edifice or building, right? Epic to build upon. So you're building a structure, you're building an edifice within this component of your life, within your spirit man. So there's formation and development taking place here within you, 
Okay? I'll show you a scripture now which says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in his sickness. When this is strong, no matter what's happening here, um, it says his spirit will sustain him in the time of his infirmity. Right? But a, it says, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? When this is attacked and this is crumbled, it's, it's unbearable for the person, it's unbearable for the people who live with the person. Right? Have you ever met someone with, whose spirit is down? Right? I'm telling you, you can be attacked bodily, you can be attacked in the emotion of your soul, but when your spirit is erect, steadfast in God, the, the strength of your spirit will cause you to overcome the attack in your soul and your body. So pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray. Romans 12, 12, the third part of the verse says, Be devoted to prayer. Ephesians 6, 18, With all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit. Right? I love Zacharias 12, verse 1. Zechariah 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation, and does what to the spirit of man? And forms, right? Builds, strengthens, shapes, fashions the spirit of man, right? In fact, put a verse there quickly, Zechariah 12, verse 10. If you go on to verse 10, verse 10 speaks about that God will pour upon Jerusalem the spirit of grace. And supplication. Supplication is prayer. Right? A form of prayer is supplication. That's Zechariah 12 verse 10. Beautiful verse. I should have incorporated it here. Right? And it says, He pours upon him the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication. I shared with you what is the destination of grace. Right? Where is grace imparted to? To your spirit. This spirit must be full of what? Must be full of grace. We have three references for this. Right? Um, do I remember that? <laughs> Second Timothy four twenty two, Philemon one twenty five, and Galatians chapter six, the last verse. Right? I remember the three scriptures. Three scriptures, Paul says, grace be with your spirit. The place of reception of grace is your spirit. Grace received in the spirit then flows to the, the soul and the, and then is felt in its impact in life in the body. Right? And Zechariah 12.10 says, he will pour upon Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Right? And of supplication or prayer. So when your spirit is full of grace, you will learn how to seek God out. Search God out in prayer and in the study of His Word. And when your spirit seeks, your soul will long. Right? My soul longs for you, David said this. The longing of the soul is only indicative of the fact that the spirit is searching. Amen? Go to page 15 quickly. The strength of the Spirit should affect and determine the condition 
of the soul. This is what I've been saying. The strength of your spirit must determine and condition the strength of your soul. Job 7, 11. I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. You know, bitterness is a terrible thing. Eh? Bitterness is gall, poison. Right? And Job is saying, because my spirit is in anguish, my soul, I pour out what? Murmur, complaint, in the bitterness of my soul. When the spirit is in anguish, the soul easily succumbs to bitter complaint. Show me a bitter person, and I'll show you a person whose spirit is in anguish. Hmm? Show me a thankful person. <laughs> and I'll show you a, a person whose spirit is devoid of any kind of anguish or bitterness. But is full with thanksgiving. Okay? I really want to encourage us. Um, I'm developing a series called No Complaint. <laughs> Not a series, it'll be about four or so lessons. Huh? I'm so aware of the spirit of murmur. And complaints. Right? You must banish that from your system. Instead of complaint and murmur, you must fill your, your life, your house, your conversations with thanksgiving. I'm, you know, I'm so um, on a war path against the Spirit. Don't even complain about the weather. Get any reference to complain, even about little things out of your system. See what God's going to do in your life. Okay? So, um, for example, look at, okay, there's many other references. Let's go to um, the reference I've been quoting, fervency in spirit, quickly. Acts 18, verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. The word fervent here is zeal. Don't confuse it with Zoe life. This is zeal. To be fervent. It means to boil with heat or to boil with, with, with zeal. Now, in your notes, many have lost their fervency in spirit. Keep your spirit fervent by being constantly exposed to the hearing of God's word. Praying in tongues in the spirit regularly. And keeping free from all expressions of, of, of carnality. Okay? All expressions of, of carnality. Just quickly before we go back to the start of your notes. On page 15. I made a reference to you can develop to a place of such strength in your spirit. That your decision making could all stem from the mind of your spirit. And not essentially from the mind of your soul. Okay? Um, and you, you'll see this in the scripture. I'll show you how this works when we do the meditation study. But, for example, in the scripture, Paul made decisions in his spirit. Acts 19.21. Now, the NASB makes the reference, a reference to the spirit, capital S. Other versions to the spirit, small case S. Right? Paul purposed in the spirit. I don't see no contradiction here. Because really, he who joined to the spirit is one spirit with him. 
You know, we've made such theological arguments about small case S, <laughs> capital S, um, in certain scriptures. But I'm beginning to realize more and more, it is immaterial when His Spirit and your Spirit are one. Hmm? Right? And when you as a man make decisions in the, in the, as a man, it could be said of you that the Holy Spirit made the decision. Hmm? They laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. Acts what, 13. They sent them out. Next verse. So being sent out by the Spirit. What's that? Actions of men are attributed to the actions of the Holy Spirit. Actions of men are so right, it's construed as the Holy Spirit acting. In other words, looking at it, the Holy Spirit and them are so one, when anyone acts, it's hard to say who did what. Because they are so one. Hmm? You can be so one with the Spirit, it doesn't know you. Someone might say, Randolph speaking out of his Spirit. The other person says, Randolph speaking out of the Holy Spirit. Third person says, it doesn't really matter because his Spirit and the Holy Spirit are one Spirit. Hmm? We have to get to this place in God. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that development. I cry to the Lord daily, God, let, let even my seemingly uh, random actions, like I don't seemingly thoughtless things I do, be a reflection of you. Be your heart, what you wanted. Right? Remember the guy who shot the random arrow and, and killed the king? What's was, 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 was the king's name there? Forget his name. Forget it. A king. <laughs> Um, disguised himself as an ordinary soldier in battle. Remember? Right? And an archer. And because once you got the king, the battle's over in that context of their warfare. So he disguised himself as an ordinary soldier fighting a battle. And the enemy, one of the archers says, not aiming for anyone, he simply took an arrow and he randomly shot it up into the air. This king's armor was so tight, there was only one sort of um, loophole for penetration of an arrow in, the, in his armor. And that arrow found that place in the midst of fighting all over. Hmm? Now, everyone say random. The word for random there in the scripture is, literally means integrity. Right? A man done something out of the integrity of his heart, randomly, but it became a strategic action in the hand of God. You can do something so, like, innocently, but you do it out of purity. It's nothing, you're not, you're not aiming for something definite. You just normally, you're living life normally. But a random, a random coffee date becomes a strategic development. A random phone call, a random email. But you're doing it in purity and in the integrity of your heart. Right? It becomes something purposeful in the hand of God. This is what I believe where this is going to. Where our spirit mans are so fervent, boiling with heat. So seeking after God, seeking the right way. Filled with grace that we behave normally in the world. And yet the Holy Spirit is taking... An innocent action of, on our part and turning it out into some major, major development in the purposes of the Lord for us. Amen? I believe this is our portion in God. Hmm? You know why I'm not a genius? 
but God is. Right? And sometimes I don't know what to do. But I can do things in the innocence and in the purity and the integrity of my heart. And God can turn it out into a strategic development. Everyone say strategic development. Remember on Sunday I said this to you. This house to be righted is a strategic house. Tell your neighbor you are a strategic man or woman. Right? Let me say your arrow will find its target. In life, your arrow will find its target. Just keep, your, keep the content of your spirit man pure. Keep it righteous. Keep it integrous. Keep it searching after God always. Amen. And the, the Bible says Paul purposed in his spirit. Now, he made decisions in the mind of his spirit, not primarily from the, the mind of his soul. Okay. So, you are spirit, soul, and body. All three parts of you are very important to God. But the spirit man must always lead. There are sometimes you will make spirit decisions, not soulish ones. A spirit decision most times does not make soulish sense. (laughs) Um, In fact, it's sufficient, we won't have time to explore this now, there's sufficient evidence in my life and in the scriptures of at times when you make a spirit decision and yet the feeling, because feeling the soul, mind, will, emotions, the emotional content of the soul, it doesn't feel good to pursue that path. But you know what's the right thing to do in the spirit. Yet everything within your soul is kicking and screaming Against that decision that you come to in your spirit. But who must lead who? The soul must follow the leading of the, of the spirit. Okay? The soul. You, do you know what? When Saul died. Do you know Samuel was still in some sense. So, so tied in a sense to King Saul. That he, he would pray and cry and mourn after Saul. And God came to him at one point and says, Why do you mourn after Saul when I have rejected him as king? You're the prophet, you're my spokesperson, you're my representative in the nation, you're my mouthpiece, you're my voice. So why are you reflecting to the nation a posture that is not in me right now? Right? There's sometimes you can operate soulishly and be governed by emotion of the soul, Whereas God is leading you differently in your the emotion of your of your of your spirit. Okay. I think what was Abraham's dilemma? God says, take your only son, your Isaac, kill him. Any good father must have felt very strongly in terms of love, endearment, affection. But I believe Abraham could obey because a spirit content, his spirit content was so well developed. He purposed in his spirit, I will obey God. Even though when I look at this boy that I, I held in my arms as a little one, I reared and groomed for almost 30 years, at least some, some commentators say. I watch him and now I must kill the very thing I've nurtured. His soul must, he must have been torn. But his spirit won. Okay, so tell your neighbor purpose in your spirit. Purpose in your spirit. 
Let me say this, the way, and I prophesy to many of you, the way in which God's going to lead you on from this point onwards will not make rational sense most times. So you're going to have to purpose in your spirit. Allow He, the Holy Spirit, to lead your spirit so much, become one, right? That when He issues you a command, there'll be no rebellion from the mind of your soul that you will entertain, right? You tell your soul, this is not up for negotiation, right? We don't want this matter, we will not negotiate on because I've heard the Lord in my spirit, right? So you purpose in your spirit. Look at one last section on page 15 at the bottom. A controlled spirit. I like this. Self-controlled and well-disciplined. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Please don't, before we read this, please remember the context in which we're speaking about these principles. The context is, the broad heading is the primacy of the word. The subheading is hearing with your spirit. The word must land on the platform of my spirit. And all of these things are outworkings of that process. Okay? Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has got no control over his spirit. Very dangerous verse, eh? What do cities do? What do walls do, rather, around cities? The main uh, uh, function is protection, right? Preservation, protection from, from enemies, okay? So broken walls indicate vulnerability of the of the city. And it says, like, so there's a comparison, a simile, like, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who's got no control over his spirit. So there exists the possibility of alien forces, elements, or factors invading the fabric of one's spirit. It's like something wants to penetrate. Something wants to affect the, the, the purity of one's spirit. Okay? So, everyone say control. Control. I believe, personally, the controlling factor, the wall, if you would, of protection, the thing that's going to give you control over your spirit is, a, is the word. So, this, I'll put a chair big, the spirit must have word content, right? So when anything alien wants to enter the environment of your spirit, if it contradicts with the principles of the word of the Lord, you have a standard by which to reject it. If you have no word, I call it a wordless spirit. A wordless spirit is like a city without walls. Because you have no principle by which to ward off and to defend the state of your spirit. So when the enemy comes to Jesus and says, remember the temptation? With every temptation, what was Jesus' response? It is, it is written. The word is your defense. The word is your wall of security against every attempt of the enemy to bring defilement to your spirit. Remember a, a few weeks ago we spoke of the defilement of the spirit, right? 
the defilement of the spirit. In fact, let's go there. Um, go to page, I don't know where it is. Page 3. The defilement of the spirit. 2 Corinthians. Filthiness of the spirit is the heading. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of what? Of flesh and spirit. Very, very importantly. Cleanse yourself from all defilement of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So question, is it possible that your spirit get defiled? According to this verse, yes. You must do what? Cleanse your self from all defilement, potential defilement, it says of flesh or, or spirit. Remember I said to you, Galatians says, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the, the flesh. These are contrary, it says. They are battling for supremacy over the soul. The spirit is battling for to lead your soul. And your carnal, your carnal base, fallen nature is battling for the domain of the soul as well. Right? So with Lot, why was Lot soul vexed? Why was Lot soul vexed? Because of two things. What he saw and what he heard of the lawless deeds of the men of Sodom. He saw homosexuality. He saw lesbianism. He saw all kinds of sexual perversion in Sodom. He was exposed to it. He possibly did not get involved with it, but exposure to it. The Bible says his soul was tormented. King James says vexed. New American Bible says the soul of Lot was tormented. Now through the body, you, you got your eyes, your ears, your nose, your touch, your taste. The soul gives one personality. And the soul finds expression through the five senses of the body. Now, particularly the eyes and the ears. Yes, I believe the others as well. But especially by what you see and what you hear, it impacts the area of your soul. So carnality, we made the conclusion a few weeks ago, carnality in the flesh brings leanness to the soul. Remember? Right? Israel lusted in the wilderness. God gave them the request. But what did he do to the soul? He sent leanness to the soul. Leanness we describe as a shrinking to make the soul skimpy or to disempower it to say yes to the leading of the Spirit. Now get the order right. It says, look at the order in 2 Corinthians 7. It says, cleanse ourselves from what? Defilement of what? What in the order of things is defilement of? Flesh and spirit. My conclusion is, the defilement of the flesh can ultimately lead to the defilement of the, of the spirit, if you're not careful. You can dabble and dabble and dabble all you want to yearn in carnality. And think that it's not going to affect you in the soul and the spirit. It ultimately will. 
right? Because the carnality in your soul, in, in, in your flesh, your body, will bring leanness to your soul, vex and torment you to such a degree. I see it like this. It disempowers the soul to say yes to the spirit. Right? And it further fuels the flesh or empowers the flesh in dominance. So ultimately, your spirit will be so weak to say, when you hear the word come from the spirit realm, you can sit under the word, hear it, it means absolutely nothing to you because there's a stronghold, a net. You are ensnared or captured by carnality in the flesh. Now, it says defilement. Everyone say defilement. Filthiness. Look at the bottom of your page. I'm not going to go through all of this because we've been through it. Defilement is molusmos in the Greek. It means a stain. Who would like a stain on a white shirt? Not nice, eh? (laughs) A blemish, a spot. It's amazing how you can have a whole, Renee got a white coat on there. If I just take this one, this, this cokey, and put a dot on the shoulder, it's like the moment you see it, you, you leave everything else you focus on. Eh? There's a dot there. <laughs> there's a stain. There's a, a blemish. What it does, it detracts from the purity of the entirety of the thing. And you start to focus on the blemish. Hmm? And it like disempowers the entire thing. I want to encourage you. Now, this word stain, it figuratively refers to immorality. Immorality. So, do not become immoral in your behavior or in your, in your mind. Um, maintain your morality in God. Morality is an essential part of our righteousness. Practical righteousness. We are highly moral beings. And immorality is not part of the kingdom. Right? Who incited Israel to lust in the wilderness? The rabble. Remember it says they left Egypt? It says they exited Egypt and who came along with them? I mean, right at the commencement of the exodus, there was a group that attached themselves to Egypt. It's called the mixed multitude or the rabble. The word Ereb in the Hebrew, mixed. It means a heterogeneous group of people with no native culture or no authentic culture unique to them as a people group. They're like a mix. That's what we call them mixture, a mixed multitude. Right? And the Bible says they had greedy desires. And they lust exceedingly. So then, let me ask you this. And the Bible says, listen carefully, they caused Israel, Psalm 106, they caused Israel to lust in the wilderness. Israel lusts in the wilderness, but God gives them the desires, but He sends leanness to their soul. So question. If we're going to keep our spirit undefiled, not faulty, untainted, unstained, no blemish, moral, pure, circumspect, upright, one of the things you must guard is your company. Right? At the bottom of the page, 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company, the word is corrupts. Good morals. Right? Corrupts good morals. So, um, why would Paul say, he could have just said, hey, bad company corrupts good morals. Why must he start that statement by saying, do not be deceived? Guess what? (laughs) 
many people are living under the false belief that I can mix with the wrong company. It will have no effect upon my spirit. Huh? That's why Paul says this is a, an aspect in which Satan is going to deceive many wholesale. Don't tell me you can mix with immoral, unrighteous people consistently and tell me you're going to come away from it unblemished, untainted. There will be a spot or stain in your spirit that's going to prevent you from accessing your inheritance in God. Hmm? Now Jesus was a lot of times with the sinners, the wine bibbers, prostitutes, remember? He was even accused by the Pharisees, look at his company, right? Those incidences are far and few between in the scriptures. And also, listen carefully, whenever he was with them, it was purposeful. There was an objective too, to affect them in a positive way. Amen? That's what Paul would say to his son Timothy, flee youthful lusts, but follow Righteousness, peace, purity. With them. Everyone say with them. It says with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Watch your company. Rather mix with those that are calling upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Write another verse down the next to that. Malachi 3.6 or 3.16. Not Malachi. Is it Malachi? Yeah, Malachi 3.16. Right? Them that spoke often one to another. Right? They feared the Lord, the Lord heard it, and the Lord came down. And the book of remembrance was opened for them. Right? This is the reference to the right company or, or, or accurate company. Right? Now, an essential part um, of this process is word content. Right? That is why you've got to get the word in you all the, all the time. Be loaded with the word of God. Right? Now, on, on page 5, quickly, I'm going to go fast to this and get on to some other things that I want to focus on. On page 5, at the top, a darkened spirit. Remember, we, we made mention of this. Your spirit must be full of, of light, not so. Okay? Remember Proverbs 20, 20. It says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, or the spirit of man is the lamp. Now, I'm going to draw a candle here, right? So it says, the spirit, candle, or you can draw a lamp. I like to use pictures when I read the scriptures. It says, my spirit is God's candle. My spirit is the lamp of the Lord. And remember I said to you, whenever you think of light or lamp, several things come to mind. Thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Uh, God himself is light. Remember, God is light. Then your spiritual father is also a reference to, to light. That's in, uh, in your notes on page 4. It's 2 Samuel 21, 17. David is regarded as the lamp of Israel. Right? The lamp of Israel. And then your spirit is also a lamp. So God is light. His word is light. Your spiritual father is light. And your spirit, your human spirit is light. Four indicators of light. Right, So, when you sit under the sound of the word, which is light, that word comes from someone who is light, the Father speaking the word of light to you, and God and His word are one. His word is light, God is light, speaking through your Father who is light, to be received and heard 
with your spirit, which is light. So your spirit is litten or lightened up. Okay? Enlightened. Right? And the Bible says, when his lamp uh, uh, shone over my head, by his light I can walk through darkness. So the light in your spirit must illumine the darkened areas of your, of your soul. And you can literally walk practically in the light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Many other scriptures we've been through all of that. Proverbs 20, 20, quickly. He who curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in the time of darkness. Right? So your candle or your lamp goes out in the time. And remember the word time is not chronos. It's not a season when there's darkness. It's not actual an epoch of time where there's darkness. Time there, I've got to explain in your notes, um, in the Hebrew is ishon, When does, when does your spirit go out? When does darkness fill this place? It says if you curse your father or mother. So if you, if you, if you curse spiritual parentage, and I believe also natural parentage, that's what the Bible says, honor your father in the, and mother in the, in the Lord. It will be well with you and you will live a, a long time in the earth. So if you curse father and mother, guess what? The Bible says, your lamp, your, let's say your spirit goes out in the time, in the ishon. Ishon basically is the pupil of the eye. The time there is not time, it's the pupil of the eye. The pupil of the eye is in the center of the iris. That part of the eye that permits light to come into you. Right? It's reflected and so you're able to to see, not so, right? So when it says your he who curses his mother and father, his lamp will go out in the pupil, <laughs> in the mechanism within the man that permits light to enter. So you will have all of the mechanisms. You can be, for example, let's say you dishonor. Can I be practical? Make it bring it home. Let's say at any level you dishonor me. One of the repercussions in your life would be this. You will sit under the sound of the word. Light is coming to you to hit your spirit. But the time, your pupil, your iris, does not permit the light to enter. The state of cursing a father or mother prevents light from entering the spirit. And where light, the word of the light of the word doesn't enter, that spirit is a darkened spirit. Dangerous, eh? Dangerous. Because if I dishonor Thamo, I can be in his school. I can hear all the revelation. I could possibly hear it with the mind of my soul. But my spirit will be totally unfruitful because that revelation has not infiltrated. Because the state and the mindset of cursing prevents the entrance of light. But listen carefully. Everyone say darkness. The darkness here, as I've explained, literally at the bottom of the paragraph, the word darkness refers in the Hebrew to misery, destruction, death, ignorance, and sorrow. Now guess what? When you go through misery, darkness, sorrow, you're going to need light. It's a time that you need light, not so? 
right? I love that the verse in, in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs, Psalm 1828, I think it is. It says, um, he's, by his light, I'm able to walk through darkness. Hey? By his light, I'm able to walk through darkness. And I want to encourage you. Um, develop the light content within your spirit man. Your spiritual father speaks, hear and obey. Right? Allow that word to illuminate the entirety of your spirit. Because everyone do this. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't naturally want to hurt the same. The pupil of your eye, the center of the iris, you wouldn't want to because you're going to damage the very mechanism God created in your body that permits light to enter so that you can see. No entrance of light. No perspective. No prophetic sight. You see, the light enters for you to see outward again. So you, you will never be able to see accurately appraise events, circumstances, and situations and pursue the will of the Lord if you have not allowed the light of His Word to infiltrate your spirit man. With your eyes, the eye of your soul, you'll attempt to look. See, these eyes, the spirit has more than one eye, the eyes of the spirit. right? The, the eyes of the spirit are to condition the eyes of the, of the soul. And you can attempt to, through your eye gate, your body has no natural eyes, but really, you don't see with your eyes, you see through your eyes. Tell your neighbor you see through your eyes. You see, you have these eyes, but it's really you inside you looking through these things. Right? <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. You, right? It's like you looking through, but which part of you is looking? Some of us are looking with wrong perspectives at people, events, and circumstances. Hmm? Dr. Tryon said something uh, a few months ago. He said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. You just change the way you perceive it. If you change the way you look at it, the thing you look at suddenly changes. Hmm? So you thought he hated you. Because that was your perception, how you looked at it. But it doesn't say you change your perception. The moment your perception changes, hey, the guy actually likes me. Why? He didn't change. The way you looked at him changed. Okay? Please write that statement down. You don't see with your eyes. You see through your eyes. Just write this down also. Change the way you look at things. And the things you look at will change. Change the way you look at things. And the things you look at will? The things you look at will change. The things you look at will change. John chapter 9 on page 6. Okay, I'm going to fly now. We'll be done by half past 8. Isn't that a powerful thought? How wrong are we so many times because we lack accurate perception of people, events, and circumstances? Hey? How many of you have ever had the experience where you had a particular view of somebody that was wrong? <laughs> and let's say you had the view for five years. And in the sixth year, you find out 
this person is not really like I thought. So you've wasted five years of inaccurate perception. Okay? Waste of time, that's all. Perspective is everything, I'm telling you. Perspective is, is everything. I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, help me to see accurately. To look at things, people, events, circumstances that is accurate. Not the way um, I would want to. You see why? Yeah, in this area. We won't get to it now, but maybe next year we'll deal with the bruises of Satan. The serpent crush, or the woman will crush the head of the serpent, but the, says the serpent will bruise the heel. The only, the only avenue of attack Satan has is bruising. The way, one of the many ways in which he bruises is through hurt, infliction. And he does it in the area here of the soul, a bruised soul. So we, we look at things through the bruising and the hurts of the past. Right? Whereas God wants us to look at things from His perspective. That is why it's so essential. The eyes, Ephesians 1.18, the eyes, not two eyes, says the eyes of your understanding must be enlightened that you might know. Okay? That you might know. There are times um, in counseling, um, I remember one particular instance, I tried to um, get the person to, to see, uh, uh, this, this went through several sessions, it ended up in a family uh, meeting, etc. Um, I tried to get the person to see that the way they appraised the actions of multiple people was wrong. Hmm? And this person said to me, so Randolph, you're saying to me, every way in which I viewed everyone is wrong. Up to this point. So my response was, well, do you believe I'm a, I'm a man of God? Let me just pull rank now. Because you realize, yeah, I'm getting nowhere. <laughs> do you believe I'm a servant of God? Yes. Do you believe I wouldn't lie to you? Yes. I'm telling you, the way you're looking at those people is totally wrong. Your, your perception is skewed. Right? Fortunately, the person agreed, okay, I believe you. So I'll change the way I view it. And guess what? Healing... Restoration, reconciliation came. Okay? Simply because of a way of viewing things. Amen? Hope you see me through the right eyes. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, check your father out. Check him out. Check him out with the eyes of the Spirit. <laughs> with a word illuminated Spirit. Right? Now, quickly, quickly, quickly. Time is running away. Go to, go to uh, page 6, John 9. I must get to this. In John 9 is a famous uh, story of the healing of the blind man. Do you recall? The healing of the blind man. Uh, let's read it. And in this passage, just above the passage I wrote, there are three well-known sayings of Jesus. Number one, that I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light. Secondly, he said, you can only work in the in the day. And thirdly, he said, you must go wash in the pool of Siloam. Verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. The disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither this man who sinned nor his parents, 
but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work. Here's a statement. I love this. We must work, Jesus said, the works of him who has sent me as long as it is day. I like what he said. Not I must work. <laughs> we must work. Everyone say corporate. corporate. Right? If we're going to work together, we must work the works of him who sent me, singular, corporate man, corporate son, as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. Quickly, let me ask you a question. What's the implication here? You can't work at night. You must only work in the day. At night, there's no light. In day, there is light. So you can only work in the day when you have light. You can't work at night when there's no light. Got that. Carry on. It says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Are we the light of the world? Did Jesus say that? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He said he is the light, but he also said to his disciples, you are the you are the light. As he is, so are we in this, in this world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made a clay of spittle, applied it to the clay in his eyes, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated what? Sent. What is sent? Write the apostolic above that. Right? Sent is the apostolic principle. The word Siloam means sent, as does the word apostle. So the pool, everyone say pool. What's water indicative of? Word. So the pool of Siloam is a reference to apostolic doctrine. Right? So you must go wash. And the word wash in the Greek means persistent, continuous washing. Not one wash. It's repetitive. That's why I want to encourage you. Um, we came early tonight so we can do more copies of the CDs. Uh, Buy a copy. If you don't have money, take one. And give the money later. But every household must have these sermons playing over and over again. You don't wash once. You wash many times. Faith comes by? And? Faith comes by? Say hearing and hearing. Tell you, there's two hearings. Faith comes by? Hearing and hearing. I think sometimes it's only in the second hearing that faith comes. It's like when you repeat the hearing and you, you like marinate, washing yourself in this word. Sometimes I listen to Tamo umpteen times and I only see the light. It's not that I didn't see the light earlier, but the force of it like fills your heart, right? And it develops this, this faith. So Jesus tells the guy, quickly, the principle is simple. Repetitively, consistently, continuously expose yourself to apostolic doctrine so that your eyes can be washed. In the natural, this guy actually saw. His perspective changed because word infused his, his, his spirit man. When light entered the pupil of his eye, could he see clearly? And in that same context, Jesus said, the lamp in, in, in Matthew 6, early he says, the eye is the lamp of the, of the body. If your eye is full of light, your whole body is full of light. So if you are full of light, when you are full of light, you will have accurate perspective on things, events, and circumstances. That is your definition of living in the day. When are you living in the day? 
when your perception is full of light. When are you living in the night? In darkness. When you have a view or perception of things not, not determined by the word of the Lord in your spirit. Right? So, for example, here's a classic. I should have put this in. I don't know why the Lord only speaks to me when I'm at this pulpit. The Lord speaks to me when I'm at my desk. So I can put the stuff in. Do not behold the speck in your brother's eye if you have the beam or the light pole in your eye. How can you take a speck of dust out of your brother's eye? Literally in the Greek, it's a beam. It's a big massive pole. I use a light pole as well. Imagine the guy walking with a light pole, yeah? And a little speck of dust has gotten to Sean's eye. I've got a light pole, and I'm trying to get the speck of dust out of his eye with a light pole in mine. That's the, 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 that's, that's the absurdity that, to stress the point that Jesus used that example to prove his point. He said, first, take the log, the beam, the light pole out of your eye so that you can see clearly. And the beam is your prejudice. You see with prejudice. In fact, you've pre- you, you, you're already prejudiced against your brother, but you want to help him. Jesus says, impossible. Clear your own prejudice of him first. You see, when you see clearly, you're living in the day. Let me make a serious statement. So long as you do not appraise your brother accurately, you're not living in the day, you're living in the night. And in the night, you can't do apostolic work. I must work the works of him who apostled me, sent me. This whole, I mean, it's only seven verses, eh? It's only seven verses. But Jesus is saying, I cannot work with darkness in my eye the things that he apostled me or sent me to do so long as I am in the night. Only in the, only in the day. The only way I can get to a day reality is by having my, my eyes cleansed. Remember the church of Revelation used eye salve to, to cleanse your, 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 your sight? right? Cleanse your perspective. Let me just say this. This is very serious. I feel the Spirit of the Lord speaking to us. This church is called to do apostolic work. Where is this thing? It's called to do apostolic work in the nations. And I'm saying to all of us, we better make certain this whole church is living in an economy called daylight. That means our sight must be free from any prejudice to anyone. Hmm? Look at a few people around you and say, I see you. That's from the movie. What is that movie? Avatar. Avatar. What does it mean again? I've got what it means. What was it used in context? Uh, see beyond you. See you. See within you. Okay? Who watched the movie Avatar? Good movie to watch? An apostolic movie. Right? Go watch it. <laughs> Go hide and watch it. I remember one stage, uh, this being, I don't know what, not human, <laughs> said to the other one, I see you. And there's a love um, relationship developed between the two of them. I see beyond you. Don't say you see beyond you. Right? Because let me say, you're going to see the freckles and the frikies and the inconsistencies and all the character flaws. Tamok taught us, train yourself to see only light in the person. Because to the pure, all things are pure. 
Right? It's not that we're going to excuse sin and compromise. No, but we prefer. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah. It says, who is blind but my servant? And it's used in a positive sense. Not, he's chosen to be blind to things that might distract him. Hmm? Who is blind but my, but my servant? Amen? So tell your neighbor, daylight for this church. Because only in the day can you do apostolic work. And it's, 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 it's the condition of the, of the state. It's the condition of the state of your spirit. So can I challenge you from this point onwards? Amen. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I give you the benefit of the doubt. It's like... Okay, so you ignored me. So you deliberately ignored me. But I choose to see you in light. Because I'm not going to leave this building with thoughts in my mind. Why has Moira got an issue with me? Why, after all I've done for Moira, is she ignoring me? No. Even if I noticed it, I go away saying, that's not Moira. That's not what I know of Moira. That even if it was so, it's not her intent. I give her the benefit of the doubt. I keep my spirit landscape pure. My sight is clear. And guess what? When God wants to use me in apostolic work, God says, I'm looking for someone who's living in day, daylight. So he alone is empowered to do apostolic work. Amen? Tell you now, we're putting, I should have brought my glasses today. <laughs> God is giving us new spectacles. Right? New spectacles to see and appraise everybody. Amen. There's so much here. You can, I'm not going to go, this is the last time I'm dealing with this topic. I'm going to something else next week. There's so much here um, that, um, quickly, you must look at the bottom of page 7. We've got 10 minutes. Let's do this. And then we'll wrap up. Oh, on the bottom of page 9 and the whole of 10 and 11, I prepared while sitting at Kisumu Airport, waiting for my flight. I may not get to it, but I think it's pretty self-explanatory the way I wrote it out. But let's just focus on page Eight. What did I say, Paige? Seven, yeah. This is very important. The bottom. To be pressed in the Spirit is to be engrossed with the Word of God. Right? Now, Acts 18, verse 5, is rendered in different versions differently. For example, New King James, Paul was compelled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S. But the King James says, old King James says, Paul was pressed in the spirit, his spirit, right? And I said to you, no contradiction, why? He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So I don't have a problem with this. But the rest of the versions of the Bible do not use spirit at all. Well, exactly the same thing. They all reference the word of the Lord. Notice the New American Standard Bible says, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word. ESV, Paul was occupied with the Word. The Amplified, Paul was engrossed with preaching. The NIV, Paul was devoted exclusively to preaching. I said, God, 
I want to preach every day now. Establish forums all over the city. You see, listen carefully. There's no contradiction between even the issue with Paul being pressed in the Spirit, his Spirit, Holy Spirit one, and the rest of the versions of the, of, of the Scriptures say that he was engrossed or preoccupied with the Word and its declaration, with the Word and its preaching. For me, I conclude a Spirit pressed or pressed in spirit is a spirit that is totally infused, preoccupied with the word of God and its declaration. Fervent in spirit. When you read the book of Acts, Paul pressed in spirit. Paul troubled in spirit. Remember with that girl with the spirit of divination. Paul had a restlessness where? In his spirit. Paul purposed in the spirit. Paul pressed in the spirit. Other versions say, Paul determined in his spirit. Everything happened in his spirit, but what was in his spirit was he was marinated with the word of God. This candle, this light is the word of God. That's why I want to encourage you. Um, lap up the Bible. I love what Kovac van Rensburg says. Read Bible. <laughs> Read Bible. Hmm? He doesn't buy a new Bible every month. He buys boxes of Bibles every month or every year. Because he, he goes to each one like, and you hear the man. You can hear his declaration that his spirit content is what? Full of word. A fervent spirit is a, is a spirit full of the word of the Lord. Please take the time to read Bible. Take the time to read these notes. Hear again and again the word that your spiritual father speaks. Marinate yourself in it. Every day I listen to Tamo. Not one day, if I can help it. There are occasions when I miss because of valid reasons. Not one day do I do not listen to him. The sound of his voice, the principles are echoing. Guess what I'm doing? Hearing with my spirit. Taking that word, putting him into my spirit. Don't curse my father, otherwise my Lamp will go out in the time of my darkness. Word enters my spirit. I'm able to see more, more excellently. Right? Now, go to page 8 quickly. Acts 18, the portion we've just read, Paul pressed in spirit, preoccupied with the word, describes his time at Corinth. And in verse 11 it says, he settled there for a year and a half, a eh? year and six months, teaching the word of God uh, among them. So for one and a half years, Paul was preoccupied with the primacy of the word of the Lord and its preaching. One and a half years in Corinth. Remember Ephesus, it was three years, two, three, right? He had Corinth. Now listen carefully. When he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he's writing to the Corinthians after having established this church, long absence away from them, now he's writing. And he says this, I was with you in weakness and in fear, much trembling. My message and my preaching was not with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of, of God. Now, Dr. Siggy explained this to us. 
at the Open Heaven Conference, contextually, there's no reference to miracle, miraculous signs and wonders when Paul did go to Corinth and he stayed there for a year and a half. All we read in the scripture, this man was pressing the spirit, preoccupied with the word and its declaration for one and a half years. However, in his commentary about that experience, Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but I came in power and demonstration of the Spirit. And Dr. Segi explained to us, there will probably have been miracles in the Corinthian context. right? But with Scripture interpreting Scripture, the demonstration of the Spirit's power was his preoccupation with the Word. Because that's all that we have to go upon in, in the Scripture. And I really believe we're entering a day where we will see the miraculous. It's been prophesied. Amen? Jesus said to the Pharisees in, in Matthew 22, write the scripture down. Matthew 22, he says, You err on two accounts. You err because you don't know the scriptures, comma, nor the power of God. You err on two accounts. You err, you mess up, you're in error, some versions say. You're in error because you don't know the scriptures, nor do you know the the power of God, right? The, the scriptures must be infused with the Spirit's power. I believe the Holy Spirit's power uses the power of the scripture to find expression, right? The Spirit doesn't arbitrarily come into a context and move. I believe the context where the Word of God is, is prioritized, is expressed, embodied, that is the the um, context in which the Spirit's power can move. Genesis, the Spirit moved. The, whole, the, 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 the Bible says, God said there was Word and Spirit moving to, together. Okay? Spirit and Word moving together. Um, Luke five seventeen, As Jesus was teaching, the power of God was present to heal. As He was teaching, power present to heal. Wherever you have word, you have spirit power. Amen? Now, let me close with this, Demi, we'll finish. Promise you. Last one, quickly. I have to get this out of my spirit. Into your spirit. Everyone say, pressed in the spirit. So Paul was pressed in the spirit. What does that mean? He was full of the word. His spirit was full of the word. And I came across this verse in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. Paul, uh, not Paul, God says through Moses, you shall therefore impress. I like this word. So Paul is pressed in spirit, but the words in his spirit must be, it says, you shall, these words, impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. So if I, if I do it like this, he's pressed in his spirit, word imbued, and the word in his spirit must now be Impressed upon his soul. Whatever the Spirit has attained in the Word must be stamped, transferred, impressed. I want to focus on the meaning of this word impressed because it really grabbed my attention at the bottom of page 8. It means sum sim. Sounds Chinese. Tell you never sum sim. The word must be 
you receive it in your spirit, it's like you must take it, and now you must say, so, sum sim. Right? I impress these thoughts into your psyche. Right? The psychology of your thinking. I impress now what I've learned into you. Now, two things quickly. I wrote at the bottom, the Hebrew word sumsim is used to describe the placement of man in the garden. It says man, God literally impressed man in the garden. He set him. Impress is the word sumsim. The garden was made for man, and without man, it could not be brought. He has the key to maximum productivity. Likewise, the effect of the word of God in the soul of man. Without the word of God impressed upon the soul, the soul will not be renewed or prosper. Right? Please, you be ready for next week's study. Next week's study, I'm going to talk about the prosperity of the soul and how it's linked to all other expressions of prosperity. I would that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. Okay? Dr. Trine alluded to intellectual prosperity. All forms of external prosperity are only indicative to the degree that the soul of the person is prospering. And let me just say, we're going somewhere. Tell me where we're going somewhere. All of this is, you, I don't want to jump to that study because if you don't understand this process, it's pointless going there. Right? Um, for the next two studies, we're going to focus on prosperity because that is our, our destiny. But you can never, you only prosper as your soul is prospering. And the maximum productivity of the soul is only brought to bear to the degree that the word pressed in the spirit is impressed upon or onto the, to the soul. It's like you take the word in your spirit and you set it in the context or the arena of your soul, like God set man in the garden, and God said to man, now you subdue, you bring this thing to maximum blossom, maximum productivity. Okay? That is why obedience to the word purifies the soul. Right? Must be in, in, in the soul. Second implication, the second dot there, and we'll close with this. Man was positioned in the garden, and this would be the position from which he would rule, expressing God's sovereignty over, over all creation. In its general usage in the Bible, the Hebrew word sumsim, impress, predominantly indicates. Now, I looked at several versions of Scripture where this word is used, and I've concluded this. It predominantly indicates God's ability to establish the order of things, bringing everything into alignment with His will. So too, the extent to which the word of God finds expression in the soul of man will determine the degree of God's rule through him in this life. Right? So when it says impress, listen carefully. Everyone say impress. Order. Alignment. Arrangement. Right order. Right alignment. God wants to bring your soul into rightness through the impression of the word in your soul. Right? Now, I won't have time to teach this, but Proverbs 4 is a very, Proverbs 4.20 at the bottom there, on page 9. Let me read it, then I'll dismiss you. My son, tell your neighbor, that's you. Come on, tell someone next to you, that's you. Tell a few people, my son, that's you. My son, give attention to my words. 
Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight, your perspective. Keep them in the midst. Circle the word midst and write their center. If you look at the Hebrew word midst, it means absolute center. The center point of your heart. The point from which you rule and govern. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life to those who find them and they are health to all of their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Go right up to Isaiah 53 in the top of page 9. Incline your ear and come, in, and come to me. Hear that your soul might live. You see, the soul needs to live. Not so? But what is the prerequisite? Everyone say, incline your ear. Incline your ear. And then Proverbs 20, 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. I want to encourage us all, make time to hear the words. Never miss a session of mine. From now until I die. Everyone said, Amen. You want to hear all the time. You want to give attention. Hey? You want to give attention to the words of the Lord. So you prioritize it. I won't go through the Greek, uh, the Hebrew because of time. But I just want to make one or two statements and then, and then we'll close. Um, the word of the Lord. Go to the next page. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. You can't incline your ear to that which you don't give attention to. The first thing is give attention, then in, incline. Prick the ears in the, in the Hebrew. Prick the ears. And stretch out the ears. Maybe do it practically. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like you're stretching out this thing because you, wanna, you want, you know what? You know, these things are very important. Don't worry about the size of them. The different size of the different heads. Okay? But what, what is the function of pinna? God could just made a hole there and not make this. How would we look? What is the function of this? What, why is it designed like this? With all these folds and things. It's, it's designed purposefully. God is a genius designer. <laughs> if you thought, what's the function of your pinna? It's designed so that to, to efficiently capture sound waves. Cut a person's ear off. Leave the hole there. They have difficulty hearing. This Bible says, stretch out the ear. That's what the meaning. Give attention to incline the ear. In other words, position it so that it captures the maximum sound efficiently. Right? My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them out of your sight. Let me just say this. When the word of God hits your spirit, you hear with the spirit. You incline your ear with the spirit. Then it says, do not let them out of your sight. In other words, the sight will determine the perspective. The sight of the world in your spirit will determine the perspective of sight in your soul. Right? Keep them in the midst of your heart. The word heart, we could say spirit. Keep them in the center of your spirit. Right? The center meaning is the place of rule or governance that determines everything else. For they are what? Life to your soul. Life to those that find them. Right? Isaiah 55. Hear the words and let your soul live. Life 
Everyone say life. Say Zoe life. Life of God to your soul, your mind, your thinking, your will, your emotions. And it says, and health to all of their flesh. Bodily benefits of health. Amen. And third John says, you will prosper as your soul prospers. Right? They are life to all of those who find them. Then it says this, keep your heart, which I believe is a spirit in this context. Keep your heart, watch for it, no defilement, keep it, watch. Everyone say watch. The word keep there is guarded like a, like a fortress. Guarded with all seriousness or diligence. Yes, the word I want to focus on as we, as we close. Tell you about as we close. Quickly, I won't keep you long. I have, to, I have to get this out of my spirit, right? I can't sleep with this on my head. <laughs> okay. It says, watch this dynamic, the word in your spirit. Don't depart. I explained the Hebrew word departure means to turn aside from it, to be lost from view. Right? Keep it in the midst of your heart. Because watch over your spirit or your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Everyone say issues. Springs. Issue is like springs, something gushing forth. An issue forth. A spring out of it. And there are two nuances. Totsa. Totsa is the Hebrew word. Issues, the springs of life. On the top of page 10. Two things. A going out. Like, when you think of springs, it's like something gushing forth, eh? So, a going out. Watch your spirit, watch your heart, because out of it comes everything of your life, good or bad. Right? So, everything in your life, experience in your life exists from the state of your spirit. Your outward life reveals the state of your spirit or your heart. Tell your neighbor everything. Everything is useful from the content of your spirit, either good or, or bad. But I love the second nuance. This word, totsa, also indicates a border or a boundary. Right? A border or a boundary. The extent of the sphere, influence, and impact of your life is dependent upon the capacity and the sense of enlargement Within one's spirit. Everyone say life. Now think about this. Let's, let's do this issue, okay? I'm going to draw an arrow here. From here. Because the spirit works from the spirit to the soul, to the body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it is going to spring forth and issue forth everything that will exit your life. From the state of your spirit. So there's issue, but I'm going to draw a perimeter here. Think of an area. Think of a boundary. The, the, it says border or boundary. So the state of your spirit determines your, this, I put sphere, impact or influence on, of your life. You either have a large area or a small area. It's either circumscribed by a small perimeter or large perimeter. It speaks about influence and impact. I'm saying to all of us that the measure of your impact in life is going to be determined by the capacity of your spirit. 
the more this grows, you will find your metron outwardly in life increasing. Remember what Dr. Tryon said to us? Get rid of your worm, what's it? Mentality, and get butterfly capacity. Remember? Butterfly capacity. Um, everyone do this. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I know it sounds, seems stupid. But I'm saying, God, I want my spirit man to be big. You know, you, you see some men in the spirit, eh? Whenever in Tamo's presence, you just know there's a massive spirit here. Full of the word. Full of God. And it manifested outwardly by a large, global, literally, a global impact in nations all over the world. You think God's going to give a big sphere to someone whose spirit has got poor capacity? No, it's not going to work. Amen? I pray that your spirit man be formed. I pray that your spirit man be, be developed. I pray that your spirit man grows with word content, the word of the Lord. I feel the Lord saying, I want to push your boundaries. I want to increase your, your, your sphere. Can God lead you into a bigger metron? Yes, He can. I really want to encourage you. I really believe that your, 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 your area of impact is growing. But it's going to demand a well, well-formed spirit. My son, give attention to my words. Climb your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst, center of your spirit. For they are life, yeah, my soul and live. They are life to those who find them and they are health to all of their, all of their flesh. You know what the Bible says? Let's read this as we close. Quickly. Page 16. Right at the bottom. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness. But as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Hmm? Would you read the rest of the notes? I won't have time to do all of this. Okay, would you read the rest of it? There's a whole lot of other important things that you need to be made aware of. Amen? Hallelujah. So tell your neighbor, well-formed spirit. Brethren, when I see you on Sunday, you walk through those doors, prayed up. Having prayed in the spirit, kushara in the morning, wherever, you're full of word in your spirit. You're fervent, you're vibrant. You've got massive capacity in your spirit. You incline the ear, you're attentive to the word, and see what God will do among us. Amen? God will do great things among us. Amen. Good night. The Lord bless you.